You're listening to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with the Cam Brothers. Unfortunately, he discovered too late that hermano in Spanish meant brother. Live and local on 710. Now Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 a.m. after Dr. Clapper. Oh, do you think so, Doctor? This is the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN. All right, so we got Mina Kimes coming up in about a half hour, 10.30. She's going to join us to talk about the NFL and the Rams. Uh, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, Saturday morning, happy hour. A reminder, if you didn't check, uh, if you didn't get a chance to see last night's uh, late night happy hour on ESPNLosAngeles.com, variety of platforms, Andy, um, Flea was our guest. We had a great hour-long conversation with Flea. Um, it is up there. It is out on our Twitter feed. It's out on the uh, the station's Twitter feed. Really worth checking out. He is an awesome guy. Great Laker fan. We talked about Kobe. Talked about LeBron. Music making. Uh, the the current times we are in, as you notice, are, are unusual. Yeah, I got into social issues. We got into the time that he worked with Johnny Cash. We uh, got into that question that resurfaces on Twitter like once every few months. Who is the greatest American band of all time? Like. Covered a lot of ground. It was a lot of fun. So definitely check it out. It's a short conversation because, um, you know, Nickelback is just so clearly the yeah, answer. But, but Flea but, explained why. Right. That's it's the, really, the question should be, who is the second best American band of all time? Yes. Um, they, they really are not good, Nickelback. Um, not a good band. Not my um, jam. Anyway. <laughs> so 877-710-ESPN uh, is the number. Like, I'm wondering, Andy, like last year, go back to last year, small sample sizes have have always seemed like the Dodgers are always the best team. And, you know, Boog was talking about it. You know, people say they're not built for the playoffs. That's not necessarily true. They, you know, they tend to advance at least a round or two every year. But then you get to like the this, this small sample size thing. Like last year, it was Scherzer, Scherzer and uh, Strasburg. They're just like pitching is gets too good or whatever it might be. Maybe this year, because like maybe the small sample size thing works for the Dodgers. Maybe this is the year they get lucky. They catch a couple breaks and like the good stuff happens to them in the strange year. Like, I, I don't know. I just, it, the frustration from Dodger fans is absolutely tangible at this point. Well, first of all, I mean, <laughs> I feel like in a lot of ways, the Dodgers are really built for this 60 game season because if they get off to a good start, I think like they're going to run away with the thing. Like, because given the parameters and how easily... I don't think could, anybody can. Right. Given how easy it could be for... No, I, I think actually you can run away with it. If, say, you get off to, like, a 9-1, like a and one, you know, like a 11-3 and three type start, if everyone else uh-huh. is, say, 500 or, you know, around that, you could start creating a lead that becomes very, very difficult for other teams to catch sure, up, I, especially, I, okay. especially because... The Dodgers have so many options and so many different players, and, and you know they have, they have so much versatility and so much okay. talent. I I actually feel like a lot of people are looking at this the wrong way. That question that that I know we've talked about before, and like the idea of you know sixty games allowing for weirdness to take down a uh, a more talented team like the Dodgers. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I actually think people are overlooking the odds of a team like the Dodgers being built to just drop a hammer and, ju- and just making it be done. Well, like I, we're 20, okay, we're like 20 okay. games in. You're like, this is Where a they have a six or seven, they have a six or seven game yeah. lead. And, okay, and yeah, I don't think that scenario is being okay. discussed nearly enough. 
I think that is 100% fair. I think that is absolutely fair where, um, you, where, where that could come up. And like you, we hear that all the time, like in political polling and stuff like that, where people always sort of talk about the disaster scenario or like uh, if somebody's within the margin for error or whatever and forget the margin for error also extends out the other way. So there's a, you're right. There is a chance that the Dodgers get out to a good lead and, you know, a five or six game lead 30 games into a 60 yeah. game season is pretty significant because like you say, the Dodgers aren't likely to give up. They're not built to give up. I, I just, I just think that right. scenario isn't being talked about nearly. I think enough. that's, I think that's totally fair, but the counter to that is that's what was supposed to happen in a 162 game season too. They think that's the normal, but 162 game though, allows you to, 162 games allows you to relax. It even allows you the luxury of throwing away a game if, say, you want to give certain guys a rest or if somebody's arm, you know, if somebody it's that normally... this game. No, but... You, no, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, Over 162 right. games? Come on, oh, man. They do, it burn the they do it all the time. But, but that's what I'm saying is, like, so there's degrees of complacency or the allowing yourself to relax that's not going to exist this season mm -hmm. that I think is actually built for the Dodgers to just hammer down that division. Just get it done. I, I, th I think that it is less to me about, you know, look, the, the, the Dodgers in their best seasons have had stretches where they're, you know, a guy gets hurt or something and they, sure. and they go, ten, you know, 10 and 10 over 20 games, which normally isn't a big deal. That, that isn't even necessarily a bad run in a season like this. I think it's like, if the Dodgers don't, get out like don't have a quick start and don't have some of those like one of those stretches where they had in recent years where they win 20 of 27 or whatever it might be there is going to be at least one team probably two teams maybe three teams in the national league that over 60 games are going to play in ways that they're not supposed to in a good way now there could also be teams that don't in a bad way too which takes a potential ride maybe the nationals aren't very good they get off to a bad start whatever teams you want to talk about whatever teams you want to focus on uh you know in the central however you want to do it there is going to be a couple teams that play way above their heads and that that throws things off like i said like we saw the guys in the athletic point out the rockies were terrible last year they had a 60 game stretch where they were on pace to win 100 games it that's the kind of weirdness i'm talking but what you're what what you're saying is absolutely true and i agree with you should get more time it should get more acknowledgement it's not as scary which makes it a little less fun to talk about on the radio but it is absolutely true well, why i mean why can't dominating baseball be fun like that sounds pretty damn fun to me like you know I, maybe i'm not maybe i'm just not one of these fear mongerinos you know people like you <laughs> that just love to manipulate the listeners Love to scare them with scenarios that aren't going to happen. That's right. I get, I get my joy out of fun, Brian. Like, I, I get my dominance. joy. Well, I just get my joy out of knowing the joy that I'm bringing to other people. Like, that's enough for me. I don't get joy from that. I know you don't. I'm, I'm, I am indifferent to the joy. You do, us. though, I, get joy from the misery and the fear that you bring yes. to people. That's actually the thing that makes you smile the most. Like I know you and I talk after shows, you know, what we think went well, what, you know, what, what we need to remember next show. Every, after every show wraps, you talk about the people that you feel like you made miserable 
And that's did, the part that you think went well. Did I make at least one child cry? Yeah. And how can and I make more? If the answer to that is yes, then it's a good day. I know. Uh, I, I, know. I would agree with that 100%. I, but, you know, to your point, though, domination over 162 games is actually really boring. Like, it that's is. part of the problem that we've had with the Dodgers over the last few years is. Like the season really is kind of boring just because we, we, we know it's a foregone conclusion and it takes forever to get there. 60 games of domination. That's pretty fun. I'm, I'm kind of here for a 60 game major league baseball. Season. I, like, there's I no may, reason in my head. This can't be permanent. I keep making this point. Baseball needs to be careful what it wishes for, because it was very clear during these negotiations that the league and the owners were looking for as short a season as possible. They could dress up the explanations any way they wanted. But I feel like they really need to be careful what they wish for. Because, you know, 60 games may be, sh- like, short to the point where you feel like, I don't know what to make of this. Right, it's kind you know, of it's almost stupid. Yeah, right, right, especially compared you. to 162. But you start looking at the idea of 100 games, you know, stretching this out, meeting in the middle to 100 games, and you start watching a season of baseball where everything feels urgent. Everything. Yeah. Tension's always okay. cranked up to 10 because you know every game matters. Like, it's the closest baseball has ever been to the NFL formula. I could see a lot of fans deciding, I prefer it like this. Give me this next year. Okay, 877-710-ESPN. I'm going to ask you this question, and I, wanted, I want a definitive answer, at least from you, Andy, and obviously call in if you want. You have to choose right now that baseball will permanently either go back to 162 or stay 60 forever. Before you get a chance to even see 60, you have to choose. Which one are you going to take? Answer I'll tell you. Next. I was going to say, I will tell you right. next. Kamenetsky uh, Brothers, Saturday morning happy hour, 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Saturday morning happy hour with the Cam Brothers. It was between the brothers, King. This is the Saturday morning happy hour on 710 ESPN. I don't know how big that town was, Andy, but he was the baddest man in it. Yeah. That Leroy Brown. Didn't want to mess with him. Uh-uh. Um, all right, 710 ESPN, uh, Saturday morning happy hour. We got a lot of happy hours, Andy. Sometimes I get them confused. If you missed last night's uh, fleet on the Saturday mor- on the late night happy hour, this week, we've got some good guests. Yeah, we do. Yeah, Very we do. Very excited. Uh, Sopan Deb from the New York Times is a, a former culture writer who now is works with Mark Stein doing their NBA coverage. Really uh, fun and entertaining guy. Uh, good presence on social media. A lot of people uh, listening uh, have probably heard of him. Um, who do we got? Who else we got? Tuesday. Uh, Mo DeKeel is going to be on with us Tuesday. You know him from Bleacher Report, The Athletic. Uh, great, uh, great just NBA coverage. Knows the league extremely well. Um, Wednesday, we got Dave Damashek going to break down some NFL. He's absolutely a former colleague of ours. Yes, he's absolutely hilarious. Um, Dave is a lot of fun. Thursday, we've got uh, Oliver Maroney, who uh, spent a lot of time with the Big Three, um, talk about how that league works. Uh, also, just more basketball. And then on Friday, with Jethro Jenkins, um, he's uh, he hosts a basketball podcast on Yahoo. Really, really funny. 
on social media. He's co-host with uh, Josiah Johnson, uh, who is like, I was going to say, he's been on the show and he is literally the king of social media. So uh, we're looking forward to meeting uh, LeJethro. So that should be fun. So that's 10 to 11 every night on uh, the on the station's Twitter and Periscope handle. So really, really appreciate all the support we've gotten from that. And we'll tweet out the Flea episode a couple times over the course of the weekend for people to catch up there. So I asked you the question, Andy. Um, you Like right now, you have to – we have not seen what a 60-game Major League Baseball season is going to look like. We have no idea. Um, it might be – better in some ways it could be significantly worse than others what it will be unquestionably is radically different than anything certainly we've grown up with you have to choose right now between 60 and 162 as you said 60 is probably maybe a little too short 162 is too long what are you taking 60 i didn't even have to think about it yeah i actually texted you <laughs> Right as you posed that question in real time, I said, 60, don't need to think about it. Because I know what 162 is. And I know that 162 is too long. I think it's too long in, in terms of having covered baseball. You and I covered the Dodgers for a few years. I mean, uh. like, in, in terms of, like, we really covered the team. We were in the clubhouse every day, like that type of coverage. And it was long, and we didn't even travel. I also think that we're seeing it's long from a fan's perspective, because there, there is a lack of urgency. I think that, that other than from the diehards, there is a lack of urgency that gets felt in June and July when you've still got 100-plus games going. And it's hard to manufacture that type of excitement and tension, knowing that you know every game matters in the aggregate, but in the moment, it can be hard to feel like that game matters when there's another 110 to play. Right, well, because it doesn't. Like baseball, the, the every right. individual game in baseball doesn't matter. You know, they matter you in the end. Of, you can you right. can miss well, the playoffs win, by one game. You need to win three of five. You, sure. you know, three of every five games. You need to win. It doesn't matter which three. And so, like, to pretend that the one that you lost against the Reds in June, even though you feel like the Reds suck and you shouldn't, you know, shouldn't lose, doesn't matter. So I, here's the thing. Else. The reason that I will go 60 blind, I will call it 60 without even seeing what it looks like, is I know that baseball needs change. You know, it, it especially at a time when, you know, normalcy hopefully resumes and we, and we get our full slate of content and options, there's just too much out there, I think, for baseball to maintain the type of excitement that it wants and, you know, its place in the, you know, the entertainment lexicon for 162 games, something needs to change anyway. So I will take my chances with 60 going too far in the other direction, just knowing that the opportunity to change is there. So I'm going 60 blind. I don't even need to see what it looks like. I, um, I got part of the answer for me here, Andy, is just like, it's in like an honest assessment of where I am in my life. I ain't got time for 162 games. No. It's like, I can't focus on that. I don't want to focus on it. I don't need to focus on it. The part that I really care about. Now, granted, look, a lot of it is because we are out here. Like, I, you know, I, we grew up Cardinal fans. I'm still a Cardinal fan. I pay attention. But I you know, I really love the Dodgers. I like the Dodgers to do well. It's great for the city. It's fun. It's fun for what we do when the Dodgers are good. Yeah, contrary to what a they, lot of people believe, we are not Dodger haters. 
Like just because no. we grew up Cardinal fans, like both of us actually See, liked and the I've Dodgers. And I've always liked the Dodgers. I will tell you who I hated growing up was Tommy Lasorda. I didn't dislike the Dodgers. I hated Tommy Lasorda. Sure. In the same way that I didn't actually hate Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame football. And I hated Lou Holtz. Oh yeah, you I, want, just, I couldn't I stand that sp- squirrely little dude running around. I, I hated that guy. I, it was very difficult for me because I went to USC, so I had right. the I had the Notre, Notre Dame reason. thing. I had the Notre Dame thing on top of the Lou Holtz thing. It was very right. difficult for me for a few years to be his quasi colleague, like and, and to yeah. like have to to like have to regard Lou Holtz and just sort of like generic congenial terms because i really spent a long time despising oh, that guy and, and I i'm really i'm liberated now to have the freedom to go back to that because he's no longer a quasi colleague i don't think so yeah and like and i and then to the point like where tommy lasorda was like you know he's like he's an old man at this point like and i i'd still and i go to dodger games and i just sort of sneer at the guy like <laughs> <laughs> Guys been out of the game, but he's an ambassador. He goes to this this gig is going around and shaking hands and kissing babies and and being Tommy and like and he's got me just glaring at him in the in the media room like while he eats his spaghetti. So much <laughs> spaghetti. <laughs> like spaghetti. Not so not so tight on the slim fast anymore, are you, Tommy? But like I hated. Well, the it guy, sounds like somebody isn't letting go. <laughs> it sounds like somebody's not letting go of this thing. All right, so who wants to talk about Andre Ethan? <laughs> um, but like, you know, but I don't hate the Dodgers. I want the Dodgers to be good. No, actually, both of us really like the Dodgers. Uniforms are great. Stadium. We've got a lot of friends who are Dodger great. fans. Yeah, it's I, the Dodgers are a classic. You know, great. They, like, they were. They didn't deserve Frank McCourt. That's for sure. But it's it, it's been kind of dull because they've been so good. Like there's no, there's zero urgency. So maybe if I cared about a team that was where it really was more interesting, you know, an AL East team where the, the competition's a little tighter or whatever it might be. But the big thing for me is this, what makes baseball fantastic. Apologies there are helicopters flying around my neighborhood. I'm not sure if you can hear that. Um, you know what you did. What makes baseball great is <laughs> I hope they don't find me before 10, before 11. Um, <laughs> What makes baseball great is the postseason and the urgency of the postseason and all the things that make baseball almost unwatchable for like a Pirates-Padres game in July makes it incredible in October. Yes, absolutely. All of that, though, would still be there in a 60-game season, except it would actually make the other games more important, too. So I get to keep the part where October is good and important. All I have to be willing to do is throw out some of the history in the record books, which I don't care. Mm. I, I, I don't care anymore. Um, we just we start compare, making different comparisons. And I have to be willing to, to accept the idea that I mean, look, when, when you when you happen. grow up rooting for a team like the Cardinals, it's always it's already such an embarrassment of riches. Like, I, I don't necessarily need more. Like, well, you know, I, I can that's a, I can toss away. away Andy. Well, I'm just away. saying. I can toss away certain elements of the record books or whatever, because I've already been so blessed. Like I, I, I don't necessarily need any more. I mean, I can understand how fans of teams that 
you know, say haven't won a World Series in three decades. You know, like I, I can understand how they might cling to certain elements of the history books. You know, I, I'm not mentioning any teams in particular. You know, there are, most teams have not won the way the Cardinals have. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about any team in particular. If you think I'm talking about your team, rest assured, I likely am. But it's not only your team. Just so you know. Like, I'm not, I'm not just trolling your team. I'm trolling pretty much all of them. Just so you know. There are very few things that are, like, more fun. Because, like, look, the Cardinals, best fans in baseball thing and all that. <laughs> oh, is, they're often it terrible. Is wildly obnoxious. Often they're, true. And we have a, there are we, a we lot have a, of a, a real horrible race people. problem with our fans. We've got a bit of a race problem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, frankly, the, frankly, the city's. Frankly, the city's got a bit of a race problem. We've gotten we've gotten a lot of mileage out of making a habit out of clapping for good plays from the other team. Like we, we really have as a fan base. Like suddenly that made us the best fans in baseball, and we've gotten a lot of mileage out of it. But that said, there is nothing that is more fun out here than trolling Dodger fans as a card. Like, and they care about it way more than I do. Right. Like, just again, again, you should you should know. It's genuinely not mean-spirited. We really do like the Dodgers. It's right. just too much fun. It's just it's too much too fun too much not fun. to do it. And what, funny, as we've said, Andy, many times, funny trumps mean. Always. So, all right, uh, coming up next, Mina Kimes. We're going to break down the NFL and her wiki page. We'll do that next Saturday morning happy hour, 710 ESPN. This is the Saturday morning happy hour on 710 ESPN. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back with the Cambros. Saturday morning happy hour. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Very excited now to welcome Mina Kimes to the show. She is, according to Wikipedia, an American investigative journalist who specializes in business and sports reporting. Mina, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Hey, wow, that Wikipedia page sounds like it needs an update, but thanks for having me. <laughs> it could use a sprucing, I'm not going to lie. Um, you also actually you graduated summa cum laude from Yale. Is that the best of the cum laude's? It is the best of the cum laude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you brought it up. You brought it up. Uh, well, Wiki brought it up, really, but uh, congratulations. I also saw, too, we'll get to things more current, but in your Wiki page, it notes that you won a Henry R. Luce Award in 2012. Congratulations, by the way, um, for a piece that you wrote called Bad to the Bone that exposed the unauthorized use of a cement to repair bone tissue with legal con- lethal consequences. That's shocking to me like i like I, actual cement like this like what type of cement rubber cement yes. what are you talking about here I like cement, cement? forever yeah that was a piece i wrote i guess 2012 it said yes <laughs> about yeah. a company that well go look at your award mina it should have That's a year what? on it, it was doing, oh there's uh, so many authorized now. medical trials basically and uh the story was really about how the um decision to do that kind of went all the way to the top and sort of some of the cost-cutting and, uh, you know, corporate malfeasance taking place that led to the unauthorized medical trial. Now I do division previews. Subscribe to the Mina Kimes Show. It's going to be great. Got the serious stuff out of the way early. <laughs> really, <laughs> now we break really down sweet. the NFC West. Change. 
I have, yeah. I wonder, yeah. I wonder what Henry better. R. Luce himself would think about that, <laughs> the, the, the change in your career. Well, if he's an AFC West fan, he's stoked. <laughs> Get that info. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the, the, uh, the NFL is sort of, I guess, kind of inching its way towards figuring out how kind of sort of to, to have a season. Like, are we, how should, you're doing previews. How should mm. the rest of us be thinking about the upcoming NFL season? Is it safe for us to even do it? Well, nothing's safe. Let's put that out there right there as a disclaimer. None of the stuff that's happening is safe. I don't care if it's a bubble. I don't care if it's in Alaska. But they should really consider Alaska, am I right? Uh, but yeah, no, nothing's safe right now. Um, it's all about hedging sort of a risk mitigation, um, you know, there's a, a big calculus between the jobs. It's not just, you know, we're not just playing football or basketball or baseball for billionaires. There are many, many people uh, around these leagues who want, need, hope that this will happen. Um, it doesn't mean it's safe. I think football in particular is watching very diligently to see what happens, not I would say less so with basketball, more with baseball, right? Because it's more similar in model in the, so far as there is no bubble. Um, they want to see if it can keep it contained, um, what travel looks like, how that affects these teams, uh, what it's going to look like when players test neg positive rather and have to sit out for a while and then be reintegrated, how that affects gameplay. Those are all things that baseball is sort of testing out, so to speak, uh, for the other sports um, and I think football right now at this moment, they are intending to continue. Not, not as normally. I think preseason has already been changed. I wouldn't be surprised if it's changed further. Training camp's going to be changed. The PA and the league are talking on Monday. But at the moment, the season is supposed to start on time. I don't think it's impossible that that could be moved back a little bit. But right now, there's no talk of cancellation. We're in this moment right now, Mina, where where we've seen the NFL bend to the players' will in terms of acknowledgement of social issues and, you know, being more vocal about it and supporting the players along those lines. Do you feel like that's something that can be extended in terms of what the players want in playing with COVID, like that they're in a position to dictate terms beyond just sort of the, the larger moment that we're in right now? Candidly, not really. Uh, I, I hate to say that. I mean, it, it's not like with college sports, right, say, where I do think there's a direct connection between this wave of player empowerment as it pertains to racial justice and player empowerment as it pertains to players playing for no money. Because they, in, in a weird way, they actually they do have a lot of power, right, because they're not being paid. Um, and they can – there's no union, but I think they can – you know, ask for more and, and take a stand on certain things. With football, um, it, it's not that they can't. It's that I think a lot of these players won't want to give up a season because their careers are so short. And, and it's the same reason why, you know, the union gets a lot of criticism for bending to the league on certain issues, but they don't have a choice, right? Uh, due to the nature of the game, the structural issues around football, I think it would be it would take a lot for these players to be willing to sit out or not want to play a season financially. Um, and I imagine they're going, perhaps, yes, the union will try to take a stand on certain safety issues, but they want to play. So it's interesting. Like you're basically like, you're talking about a situation where players have much more of, uh, of an ability to 
move the league on on I don't know, sort of public issues of racial justice than they actually do the game itself uh, and, and how the game is played. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I really do. Um, and I also think as far as COVID, too, there's no unified stance on a lot of these things, right? Like I think all the vast majority of NFL players um, probably and athletes in general, I think probably agree on, you know, the issues of empowerment as it pertains to um, – social justice and, and issues of racism. But when it comes to COVID, I don't think there's any sort of agreement. And this isn't just right. the NFL and every sport about the best way to handle this. I mean, there's no agreement in America about the best way to handle this. <laughs> no, I, I think we can all agree that there's uh, been no real consensus on the direction <laughs> to, to handle the moment that we're in right now, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, talking with Mina Kimes covers all things NFL for ESPN, soon to be part of the new NFL Live. Uh, congratulations on that, by the way. And we, we definitely want to talk with you a little bit uh, later about that new uh, endeavor in your career. But uh, the Rams, obviously, are they're, they're in a weird place right now, coming off a season where they weren't bad necessarily, but they were disappointing. What, yeah. I guess sort of what, what, do you, what do you make of the season that they had last year with a little more space between it? And then what do you... What do you see as the, the biggest issues that they need to try to figure out moving forward? There's a lot of new faces and uh, moving pieces this year. For sure, yeah. So as far as last season goes, I think it's funny. I think we you're right. People look at the Rams as being very disappointing, obviously coming out of the Super Bowl, right? Um, but they actually, when I did my uh, division preview for the NFC West this year and started pulling statistics on the Rams, they're actually not bad. I mean, we're talking about a defense that finished 10th in efficiency. I think people saw them as like below average and that's far from true. There's some issues on offense that we can talk about, but if the expanded playoffs existed last year, they would have been in, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it feels like nobody sees this team that way. Um, and I think it is really just because of the comparison 2018, that offense was just juggernaut. They were far from it this year. And even though the defense was last year, even though the defense was good, they were inconsistent, which is, I think, uh, behind a lot of the changes on the coaching staff. Right. The Rams are an interesting team to not have a preseason, guys, because I think there's a lot of questions on this roster. Now, we know Sean McVay doesn't like to play starters during preseason, but I think nobody knows what this offensive line is going to look like outside of the tackles, or in between the tackles, rather. Nobody knows uh, what the situation is at linebacker, uh, and we're probably not going to get those answers uh, anytime soon. So I think those are the two biggest question marks uh you know i don't think they're the biggest determinant in whether the rams have a good season i think that lies on jared goff i guess the offensive line is as well but the roster itself does have a lot of question marks yeah they'll hold the, the linebacker thing for sweeps week i think and get an answer then um do you do you think jared goff is a good enough quarterback to be able to elevate a, a more ordinary team and a more ordinary offense in the way that we've seen you know the the breeze you know types guys the you know brady mm -hmm. mahomes obviously he's not that good but like is he good enough to right. elevate a, a, le a less than perfect team it depends uh how you define less than perfect i think there's only you know three or four quarterbacks in the nfl who can elevate bad teams and you mentioned you right. know that one of them. um i don't think you're one of those quarterbacks i think if he has better protection i do think you know he's got a really good arm he's tough uh, he's smart, and I think 
he also has benefits from playing from a very, very brilliant offensive play caller. So if that offensive line can hold up better than they did last year, I think this team, this offense, while maybe not a juggernaut, can go back to being a top 10 offense with Jared Goff, absolutely. Um, even with perhaps like a lackluster rushing or pass catching group, I think the offensive line is key to his performance. And again, it's why it's so important going into this season. Talk with Mina Kimes covers all things NFL for ESPN, and she's going to be a part of NFL Live this coming season, assuming that there is going to be a season. Now, last question I guess we'd have for you. Have you ever worked with Keyshawn before? <laughs> I have not. I've actually interviewed Keyshawn for a piece I wrote a few years ago about uh, wide receivers who played with bad quarterbacks. <laughs> But we've never oh. uh, played together. Oh. That, that's a topic he will talk it's about. Weird that he, yeah, it's strange that he agreed for that story. He he never <laughs> likes to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, he, did did he pitch? Did he pitch it to you? Uh, <laughs> Do we like? Work, yeah, it's like working with your like eighty-six-year-old crabby grandpa. Like you know, he's a really good guy who wants you to get off his lawn. I mean, I think that's that's kind of what it is. Got it. Um, sounds good. The, I can handle it. The, the other yeah. thing you need to remember working with Key, because like Brian said, he's a, he's a great dude, and I think you're going to have a lot of fun. I, I've worked with him a lot, and I've really enjoyed it. But you need to be mindful that he's always right. Like, even when the statistical evidence or even Keyshawn conceding that you are right if you're talking about something, he is always right. And, you know, you can have the conversations back and forth, and he will be listening. You just need to be mindful of that, Mina. He's always right. We'll see how that goes, guys. <laughs> I'm usually right. Oh, I well, like you, it. You did graduate summa cum laude from Yale. So there, there is, there's a paper trail for your, for your rightness, I think, uh, that we have here. Um, but yeah, you might want to spruce up the wiki page. Although keep that part. That's really impressive. Will, will uh, Lenny make any appearances on NFL Live? Yeah, is he going to be on the, uh, yeah. I don't think so. He didn't get that promotion, the NFL analyst. You know, he's a little actually kind of crabby about that. We try not to bring it up around here. Sorry. Yeah. He's not going to be for free. Well, hope he's, uh, hope he's not uh, listening right now. Sure, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> cool. well, Mina, thank you so much for uh, for making the time. I know you got a billion things uh, that you're doing, so we really appreciate it. Um, and uh, best of luck on NFL Live, and congratulations. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you as well. Thanks. Um, all right. So eight seven 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 ten ESPN. If you want to have anything that that Mina said, I think the 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 part about golf here, Andy, is is I just can't. We've been harping on it a lot over the course of the uh, the late night happy hour. We talked about it with uh, Jordan Rodriguez from the Athletic a lot. I just can't figure out how good he is, and the answer to that question is really important. And we'll talk about it next. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, Saturday morning happy hour, seven ten ESPN. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with the Cam Brothers. Unfortunately, he discovered too late that hermano in Spanish meant brother. Live and local on 710. Now Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 a.m. after Dr. Clapper. Oh, do you think so, doctor? This is the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN. All right, so we have a lot to try to squeeze in, Andy, before the end of the show. Um, but one of the first, I looking at Twitter and I just saw one of these things 
that goes by. And it was a it was a, a reminder of a story that came out in Australia about a year ago where a model didn't realize she was pregnant until she gave birth on her bathroom floor. When you see stories like that, do you believe that? No. No, Absolutely I don't believe not. that. No. No. How do you not you're especially like you're a model. How do you not see the changes in your body that way? I absolutely I am not 100 a heartbeat. No. No. No, that that model's okay. lying. If yeah, if that's not just an urban legend, that model's lying. Uh, Why I, she well, kept I'm her pregnancy a secret, I have no idea, but I do not believe her. Yeah, I I am uh I am <laughs> calling BS on that. Um the other thing that I saw on Twitter is a lot more relevant. It is a, a clip that the NBA put out about uh, the, it, they had some clips of, of, of the Pelicans practicing and most of it was Zion who looks incredible. Like we sit, we saw some of the pictures of him coming out of quarantine, Andy, the dude got shredded over, uh, over the, uh, over the, the layoff and looks amazing. And I need to see him play the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. Oh God. I, I've been calling for this matchup since like, I don't know, mid February, late January. I so badly want this because stylistically, I think it'll be really entertaining. You're talking about two teams that love to push pace, love to run the break. I, I think they'd be a lot of fun that way. Plus all the different soap opera storylines, like, and I think they can give the Lakers a legit first-round series, but not so legit that I'd ever be worried about them losing. Like, it's the best of all worlds. Like, if you can pick your first-round series, because you also want the Lakers to actually get a, you know, they want you to get some legit basketball. Like, I don't think there's much value, especially after a three-and-a-half-month layoff. I don't think there's much of a value in just a rollover first round. Like I actually think well, that, I don't, that I don't you get more think, out of it. Let's assume Memphis is in there. I don't. I don't think Memphis is a rollover. I don't think Portland is a rollover just because Damian Lillard. No, but too but good. traditionally though, the one versus the eight, it can be a rollover. And right. I'm saying that I but actually the, the, think it's better the for the Lakers not to have one. Right, but the only downside here is that you could argue that the Lakers be getting a better opponent in the first. Like if Zion comes out and is kicking ass, and you know, and and Brandon Ingram carries through who has tended not to play well when he plays against the Lakers, but if he carries like what had been an all-star, it was an all-star season through into the playoffs and Lonzo was playing really well. There's a lot of intriguing stuff there where if the Lakers are a little bit, I don't want to say unfocused because they won't be unfocused, but they they might be, they might be sharp, you know, the layoff, whatever it might be. That's a tougher first round. That's a potentially tougher first round matchup than the Grizzlies. I think I'm good. Peak Pelicans is better than peak Grizzlies. Absolutely. So if you're worried about the Lakers having problem, you want them to play the Grizzlies because they're good enough. Yeah. I'm not worried about having a problem. So I, I want the right. most entertaining. I'm not worried about it's them about having a problem. Us. It's about our entertainment. Yeah, I, how hard it is for the Lakers. We've discussed before. The only first-round opponent that, again, I think the Lakers would win, but that I find potentially scary is Portland because right. they're going to have Yusef Nurkic back. They're going to have Zach Collins back. And by definition, if they manage to leapfrog the teams in front of them, then win the two out of three setup that, you know, that they need to, the, the two wins that they need to get that eight seed, that means they're playing really well. They got it together really quickly. And there is nobody in the league that is scarier down the stretch of a tight game with the ball in his hands than Damian Lillard. Like, period. There's nobody in the league more frightening than that guy. 
I still think the Lakers would win, but that is a potentially more frightening series. Well, we don't know, and also, too, we don't know what Portland's going to look like because they get Nurkic, like you said, they get Nurkic and Collins and all this. So the, the other guys are, you know, you can assume maybe if Zion's in better shape that the Pelicans are a little bit better. But they're still the Pelicans. Like they right. Have they're still change. so inexperienced. I mean, they're. they're but it's the, I just mean literally, it's the same team that they saw before, with just maybe a better Zion. The Portland is a completely different team. Yeah. With that, with that, so that they just like, and they they were a Western Conference finalist last year. So it's not that long ago. I mean, granted, last year was in 1983. It seems like at this point, but that's not that long ago. So I. Either no matter how it shakes out, it's going to be a fun first round. Even the Grizzlies would be a fun first round matchup for the Lakers. Absolutely, I absolutely. I, I think Memphis would be a lot of fun. Um, some other news, Andy. This is interesting. The NHL not only have they come up with a, a plan for the rest of this year, they have a uh, four year CBA extension um, that also includes a return to play plan that starts on uh, August first. So we have gone from, in theory, no sports. And no sports and no sports and no sports and no sports to the NBA cranking back up the NHL starting its playoffs baseball beginning again uh, for a 60 game sprint some of this which will um, kind of lead up right into football season. It's that's I'm not sure that's healthy to go from so little to so much at one time. It's sports Coachella man. Like, this is going to be amazing. Like, it is. Sports Coachella. It's Sports Coachella because if you have all these at once, it's eventually going to turn into what we see with Coachella in terms of the hierarchy gets established by what stage that you're on. Like, you're going to see the hierarchy coming through, and certain sports are going to be considered more important. They're going to be the main stage sports versus the side stage versus, like, the Saturday morning stage. Like, you're right. going to see. Yeah, it's I mean, I it's like going to be divided MLS up that way. Trying to come back to you. You're right. MLS and MLS yeah. is it's, not it's off to a go- great start, but you know, it's, it's going to be sports Coachella just without like the dirty fans and the patchouli. Oh well, which I guess I, I'm, okay. I'm here for that. <laughs> I'm here yeah, for that I, end of it. But we're all just going to be sitting on our couches twitching because we're not. I mean, I'm still working from home. You're still working from home. A lot of people are still working from home. It's going to be that much harder. We already have kids. And now to have wall-to-wall NBA games and NHL games and baseball games, it's really going to be hard to be productive. Yeah. I mean, our wives already don't like our jobs. They're really going to not like our jobs. Um, All right. So just a reminder, tomorrow night on the Late Night Happy Hour with Cam and No, not tomorrow, Monday. Monday Monday night, Monday night, Monday night um, is – Sopan Deb from the New York Times. We've got Dave Damashek coming up this week. Lots of great stuff. And we, of course, will be back next week for more fun on the Saturday morning happy hour on 710 ESPN.